Thomasen schiet en Thomasen oh. scoort. Hij scoort 3-0. Londaal Thomasen. Hello Ramblers, Andy here. Welcome to the latest Ramble Meets where I'm very pleased to say my guest is Jan Dol Thomason. Of course, many, many of you will remember him um, from his difficult spell at Newcastle United, but he's just had such an incredible career since then. Um, European trophies at Feyenoord, Milan, played in Germany, played in Spain as well before finishing off his career at Feyenoord. And um, having been the assistant manager for Denmark uh, for a number of years, he's uh, hopped over the bridge, capital T, capital B, and he's now the coach of Malmo, where he became a title-winning coach, winning the Ausfenskan just this year. So we talked about all those things. Yes, Newcastle United fans, we did fit in a little bit of that, and it was a good growth experience for him. Um, but he's lots of other tales to tell from his very cosmopolitan career. So I hope you enjoy the next 30 minutes. This is Ramble Meets Yondol Thomason. Firstly, Yon, congratulations. You've won your first title as a coach with Malmo. How tough was that in such a, a weird time for football and, and in the world in general? I mean, it's a strange um, year in which to take on such a big job. Yeah, we were very happy with the title. So first of all, thank you. But uh, yeah, it's been an unusual season. Uh, so it's been quite a challenge, to be honest. Uh, and it's been a very tough season, but not only not only from Melmo, from, from all the clubs in the world, and especially in the league. Uh, I think we have we have played the most games in the league uh, with Europe. Um, and of course, with the, with the Swedish Cup as well. So in that way, it's been a it's been a challenge, but I think we we as club we have we have sorted extremely well. Uh, we have done a good job. Uh, we have been most consistent of all the teams, of course. Uh, of course, I'm proud of winning the title the title 2020 in this unusual season. I mean, it's such a big job anyway. I mean, give people an idea of who don't know Malmo that well of of, of what a big club it is and what a big undertaking it is for for you to become the coach in the first place. Now, of course, the the, the, the club is is a warm club. It's a huge club. Uh, historics, uh, the, the probably the, the the biggest in in the north, uh, and we are up there also at the moment. Very passionate supporters. Uh, expectation are, are are quite high. We need to to win everything. Uh, we need to win the league. We need to um, develop players so we can sell players. We need to play well in Europe. So in that way, it's a it's a, it's an ambitious club. But I'm also quite ambition, and we have uh, normally we have we see the supporter here. Is, um, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a, the atmosphere at the stadium are, are very special. And I only tried it in the beginning of the season when we played Wolfsburg in Europe. So of course we missed that the whole season in a way that's been terrible. Football, you play football for the supporters. Uh, we need those people who love the game. I love it as well. But uh, yeah, in the end of the day, you need the supporter. So it's a it's a it's a massive club. Was was that one of the attractions of Malmo in the in, in the first place for you? Because I mean, you look at some of the clubs that you played for in your career, and you look at stadiums like St James's Park, like the Coyup of, of Feyenoord. Those are really like passionate cauldrons of, of football. And of course, the stadion at Malmo is it's not quite as big, but I've been there on a European night, and it's All really right. okay. it's, it's it's really something else. So, was that one of the things that attracted you to the club in the first place? Yeah, I've been in the stadium a couple of times when I work for the, for the Danish side uh, because, uh, of course, man, we have a couple of Danish players. So I watch those players in the stadium and, and 
and there was last season and those yeah those nights in the European game yeah huge game but uh, but also a great atmosphere I think you compared a bit like you're saying actually I played myself when I was a young boy uh, at Newcastle the atmosphere there is great I played a lot of years also in the, in 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 final with a special stage in the Cape. So it's passionate people um, who love the club and who want trophies. And so having grown up as, as a Copenhagen boy, what did Malmo mean to you as a, as a kid? Because for those who aren't aware, of course, it is in a different country, but it's only half an hour down the road or, or like across the bridge, if you like. I guess people here would be more familiar with that. So what did you know about Malmo as a, as a city and as a football club when you were a kid? Now, actually what you're saying, you know, is... Is another country, but so close to Denmark and so close to Copenhagen. Uh, when when I when I when I lived in Denmark, of course, I, I knew about our neighbors, uh, Malmo, close to Copenhagen. But I I went abroad on a quite early age. I was a, I was a young boy. I was eighteen when I when I went abroad to to Holland. So it's not like that. I've been traveling a lot to Malmo um, because when you go abroad to play football, you know how the season is. You play football. You want to do your best, and and in the holiday you go back to the family. So, so in a way, I haven't been much in, in Malmö, uh, but, but I learned the city now, of course, in this special year, you know, the crazy year. Uh, it's, a, it's a lot of parks, a lot of uh, nice old buildings as well. And, uh, and even in this corona time, uh, people, are, uh, yeah, they're always talking about Malmö when, you, when I go for a walk in the park here. Yeah? And it's possible as well. So did did that give you almost the, the weird situation that we've had this year? Give you a bit more time to explore and get to know it? Yeah, you know, uh, we in the beginning of the season uh, we were training and training. Uh, a lot of clubs, a lot of a lot of country, everything everything closed it down. In Sweden, there was differently, uh, especially especially in our area. You know, there was still a lot of distance between uh, people where we can actually t- train normally. Uh, but we couldn't start the league. We could train normally. We couldn't start the league. So we had the longest preseason forever uh, without knowing when to play a game or not. So that's a challenge when you have a big, big selection as well because we have quality players in Malmö. Uh, so, so that was that was a that was a bit of a challenge for 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 yeah for the selection for the for the group of players and of course also for for our staff for me um, having that long a preseason with preseason with a more or less 28 outfield players and then the goal is as well to, to manage that. So how did that work in, in terms of fitness? Uh, you have a lot of other countries in Europe where players have had hardly any holiday at all. I mean, you look at the small gap between the seasons in, in Russia, for example, that's an extreme example. But in a lot of other places, you look at uh, Bayern Munich who played um, the Champions League up until the middle of August and then they, they're playing Bundesliga again a month later. I mean, how how is that for, for, for you? Once you got to the, to the end of the season, did you feel your players were in better condition? Uh, as I said, we started we started uh, quite early. Pre-season, normal pre-season, we played Wolfsburg in Europe uh, uh, and almost without having a pre-season, we, we played three, three good halves out of four. They were better sides. Uh, after that... Uh, there was a there was a couple of months with a lot of training, so we were training quite tough in that period. Uh, but we also gave some couple of uh, days off uh, after a period of three weeks training. Okay, then we had a week off uh, to keep the motivation um, to have a bit of time with the family as well, because we we actually didn't know when when we were starting. Of course, yeah, and I, I guess for a, for a new coach, that's quite helpful for you to 
get to know your players as well, right? Yeah, in a way, it's helpful. But for a new coach, uh, in the in the, in the end of the day, you want games uh, to see if things are working. Uh, you know, you can train and train for for, for forever, and you can prove uh, as well on training. But in the end of the day, it's all about the performance in the games, and you need games to see what works and what doesn't work and not working at all. So we we started actually without playing any preseason game. We just started. So and I think we had a we had a rough start as well in the beginning uh, because yeah we hadn't we hadn't played games and uh, a new way of football a new way football style new principles so but we we managed quite well uh, I think we have had a great season so so what what are your principles in terms of the way you want the team to play we want to play a a game um, possession game but not playing possession just to play possession towards a goal. Uh, we want to 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 press high. Uh, we want to be flexible in our our approach to games. Um, play when we win ball. Play towards the goal immediately. Uh, and of course, also a loser when we lose the ball. More or less a quick re- quick reaction of the players. And uh, I think if you look at our game style during the season, we uh, have improved uh, a lot on, on all those points, scoring the most goals in the league. Uh, Conceded the, the, the less goals as well, um, playing playing towards the penalty area from from the opponent. Um, we're we're trying to 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 have a very free mind of possession game. Uh, more or less, the, the, we have four people up front who are allowed to move in the width of the pitch and also just move where there's space um, to out, um, towards uh, the the opponent and you, and of course your teammates. So I think it's been a been a been a good challenge, and, uh, and we also develop a couple of good youngsters as well during the season. And when you talk about moving on and um, scoring so many goals this season, that must have been quite tough because Marcus Rosenberg, of course, retired from the the team last year. He had that incredible last game against Dynamo Kiev, a, a legend with the club. Which sort of players did you have to have to lean upon? Because of course you're not just losing a guy who's a main striker and a goal scorer and very very combative sort of striker, but also you're losing someone who's a great ex- experience and great calm in the dressing room. Of course, when when you when you lose, he was captain and as you said, he's a legend here in the club and uh, and a great person and a great sportsman. And when you lose a player like that uh, who scored a lot of goals, but also the leadership. Uh, Things have to settle down. Uh, you have to to find new leaders in the group, and uh, and depending on the group, that can can happen quicker. And sometimes it takes a bit longer. But of course, he was the he was the main man and and, and a big leader. This season, I chose um, Anas Christiansen as as captain. Uh, I think he developed. Uh, he's a great player, but also his leadership developed during the season. Uh, he had a great season. We we brought in Ola Taivanen. Uh, on a late stage, um, he, he was not totally fit in the beginning, but uh, I just put him, I put more and more or less in the team without that he was fit, uh, just just to get minutes and uh, I knew the quality of him, of course. And then we, then we had Anil as a central uh, defender who improved a lot. He played, I think, last season. He was on loan in Denmark. Uh, he played one game in Alasvenska before and he played all the games for me, uh, more or less. Developed really, really well. But um, in the end of the day, it's all about winning games, and I think we 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 won the league uh, in a very very demanding way to be dominant with the ball without the ball. 
I think we had a quite good European campaign. We didn't win against Canada. We, we won the three first games in Europe, uh, scoring nine goals, conceding nil. And then we played Canada uh, at home without our supporters. Uh, of course, I think... Uh, um, I think they, if you look at the players, they are better players. But we had a good performance and uh, and we actually had more chances to score and win that game um, against Canada. So imagine if you had a totally packed stadium playing that game. Uh, you know, you, yeah, you experienced one of those nights. Uh, maybe the result would have been different. In the end of the day, we lost uh, 1-3 to score the last last goal in the end of the game. We had a we had five five shots and goal. They had three, and they scored three goals. Uh, quality, that's the difference with quality. And I can see in Europe they do well at the moment as well. I think they're number one in, in that group in Europe. Mm. And, of, of course, when you came to this job, it wasn't like you were coming in completely blind because uh, you were the assistant to Olga Herrera before with Denmark. He's a previous coach of Malmo. What did he tell you about the club before you arrived? And was he able to give you some helpful steers yeah, he he loved the club as well. He did well at the club, and uh, and as I said in the beginning, I, I, I was there uh, to watch players actually last season, and uh, I felt the, the atmosphere. I felt the the atmosphere, um, and he loved the club, and he wanted he won uh, the championship as well with the with the club. Did well. Uh, me and Ogre, we have spoken a lot about Malmo during the years. We worked more or less almost four years together together with the national team, so. He told a lot of good stories about the club, and uh, I can I can assure you, it's a massive club, it's a big club, and but still, it's a warm club. Good people. I mean, really, you've had a lot of great experiences from great coaches to pull down upon over the years. I mean, of course, in England, we think of you arriving at Newcastle United, and you've said before how important Kenny Dalglish was in making you come. But if you look down your CV of the coaches you played under, we've got Kenny Dalglish, Carlo Ancelotti. Leo Benhacker at Feyenoord, Manuel Pellegrini, Trapattoni at Stuttgart, not to mention Morten Olsen and your tremendous time with the Denmark national team. So who were the guys out of that lot, which is kind of who's who <laughs> of coaches, who were the ones who you took the most from, do you think? Yeah, and actually we forgot Bert van Marwijk as well, who's been a, a coach from Holland. Of course. And, and, I did some good results. So you're right. Now, in the end of the day, you pick up stuff. Uh, yeah, I'm an open-minded person. I played in five different country, country. So I would not really call me, call me totally Danish, not at all. Uh, I'm European. Uh, been in five different country. Um, Cobham adapting to five different cultures. Uh, then you need to be open-minded. And of course, those names, yeah, they're, they're great trainers, great coaches. And had performed, had won things in in Europe with national teams in big leagues. Uh, yeah, you will learn from those boys if uh, if you if you're open-minded, for sure. So how did we go from Newcastle United where, I mean, it was a difficult situation for you with an injured shearer, Les Ferdinand having left and basically it all piled on you as a young player. You end up at Feyenoord uh, under Leo Benhacker, who's such an experienced coach who's done so much in the game. How did Benhacker rebuild your confidence and get you to the point where 
you and Van Heidonk have this incredible relationship. And of course, you, you have that incredible UEFA Cup final at Decoit where you beat Dortmund. Yeah, uh, Leo Binner uh, coached for a lot of national teams, won, won, uh, won three titles with Real Madrid, a lot of experience, uh, excellent in the workings, excellent with the dressing room with the boys. Uh, he was really top class in, in how to, to say the right thing, to push the right buttons, uh, good with the press, good uh, as well, good with the, with the bolt. That's also an important thing, of course, in a football club. So those things, um, I learned from him for sure. I learned a lot regarding those things. And, and he, he, he's also a man who's been in a lot of different countries. Uh, actually, when I started coaching at, as a head coach at Excelsior, uh, yeah, I think more or less eight years ago, he, he came, or he came uh, one time every month to have a coffee and have a chat about how things worked. Um, so that's actually nice. He's a bit older now. So that was, uh, that was funny having playing as a, as a football player and then afterwards starting my coaching career. And then, then he was also there. I mean, you talked about how Ben Hacker was so good at relating to players. I mean, when people talk about Ancelotti, they don't necessarily talk about tactics, even though his team, teams tend to play quite attacking football. They talk about the way he relates to superstars. Is that something you got from Ancelotti? Yeah, I think, I think as you said, I think it's spot on. Uh, in the end of the day, when you, when you work with people, I think it's very, very important to build relationship with each other. Uh, I think I'm a big believer that people are performing better if they, if they have a connection with you and, and, and Chilotti, he, he's, uh, he's the main man. He, he's done that uh, in big clubs and he's done it, done it excellent, uh, making those connection and, and, and the way he f- says things. Uh, people know exactly what he means. Uh, maybe it's not always very, in a very tough way, but in the end of the day, people are for sure. Yeah, okay. They know what he means. We always get the impression with Ancelotti that he's not a, a, a shouter. I mean, is is that the case? Did he ever raise his voice or did he never have to because he had that level of respect? No, he had the level of respect, of course, the way the things he achieved as a football player, as and a manager as well. Uh, but also the way he treats people, then you, then you, then you get respect as well. Uh, I think he's a very honest man. Um, clear, straight, straight to the point. And uh, sometimes, you know, it's not necessary to, to, to raise your voice, depending on how, 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 how you are acting. Uh, I, think, I think I heard it one or two times. Uh, so when I played at Milan in those three years, so that's not a lot, but everybody knew exactly what he wanted. So it's about how you do things and also about the group you have as player, of course. The way you are acting um, has also have to 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 suit the the, the group of, of players. So obviously you achieved a, a lot at Feyenoord, but it must have been a big step going up to, to to Milan. I mean, how was that? Because they were such a successful team, and they were such a seasoned group of players. You think of the sort of players who were around you at, at that time. You know, rubbing shoulders with the likes of Shevchenko, um, Maldini. I mean. How was that? Did you feel when you, you were at that in the thick of that at Milan that yeah, I've reached the I've reached the pinnacle now? At that time, we were the best in the world. Um, I were the three years, played three years. It's a it's a lovely it sounds a lovely family club, you know. Uh, with with we were winning a lot at that time, and uh, and uh, we had 
two Champions League final in three years' time and won the title there. We lost, of course, that famous game against Liverpool. And we're not going to start with that today. No, I, okay. have a good day. <laughs> I have an excellent day. So we, we keep that for another chat. <laughs> Uh, but uh, no, it was a uh, it was three great years, uh, winning titles, performing well. Um, our second top scorer each uh, each year in the in in the group. Uh, played minimum twenty five games from start uh, at the biggest club uh, in the world at that time. And and I think back with a with a with a with a great feeling. I love football. I love football today. I'm very passionate about football. Uh, but when I think about those three years, uh, it was amazing three years. So do you think you could have got there without those hard times at Newcastle, where you were basically thrown into the deep end of the pool and you're left to get on with it? As someone who succeeded to a really good extent in Holland already before you arrived in, in England, but nevertheless in the Premier League and Newcastle playing Champions League, of course, then at that time as well, which seems like a million years ago now. But um, do you think the, the the toughening up that you got at Newcastle helped you su- to succeed later on? I think you learn a lot for yeah, for for a difficult situation. I was a, I was a young boy when I arrived at Newcastle and uh, 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 partnering up with Shearer in the preseason, and it, it did, uh, we did really well together. Uh, last preseason game, he he got that big blow, he got the big injured, and. Uh, then suddenly we were out of strikers. Uh, well, we had Tino Sprilla for a short while. Uh, and I played I played as a striker. I played out of position at that time. And I was not ready to play in that position. Uh, I could play as a as a after striker, just behind the striker. But playing as a, as a lonely striker uh, at that time, I was not ready. And during the year, I learned to do that as well. Um, so I was playing out of position at that time. But I had I had to, to think about I had a I had a... Um, Difficult spell at Newcastle, but I learned a lot of the situation. I'm always uh, looking a little bit regarding how is Newcastle doing as well as many years ago. Um, so it was a good experience, a tough experience, but uh, but at the end of the day, yeah, a football footballer uh, you always develop during the years. And uh, I was just a young boy playing out of position. So imagine if Shearer didn't got injured the last preseason game. I think things may maybe have been differently. But on the other hand, you might not have ended up at Milan. Everything happens for a reason, right? Uh, and that's crazy. And this is beautiful about the game. You know, things change, change so quick. And, uh, and in that way, it's, uh, yeah, it's amazing. And there's also something about uh, f- football we love, you know, the passion and things change very click- quickly f- football. You need to be very flexible. So I think that's very, uh, that's also one of the reasons that um, I'm happy. I've been in five different countries, playing in five different countries. You need to be really flexible in this game. Which one suited you the most? Do you think which of those countries suited you and the way you play and actually your 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 family and your lifestyle the most? Um, yeah, I think I think uh, in a way, you know, the way the success in Holland, of course, success in Milan. In the end of the day, you always think about uh, the big successes you had uh, as a player and as a club and as a team. Then you think back on those moments. I would say those two. And if you're talking about an individual career highlight, would you still think of that UEFA Cup final against against Dortmund? Because you look at that game, not only was it an incredible game in your home stadium of De Kalb, but against a really, really great Dortmund team as well. Yeah, it was actually my last game. I just signed a deal a couple of weeks before with Milan. 
Milan. I wanted to 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 end in a in a in a great way. Uh, it was great to win that trophy, winning against Dortmund at home, uh, becoming uh, chosen as man of the match, being important, and then going away like that. Yeah, it's like a, a storytelling actually. Um, so something I'm very proud of. Uh, and and of course it's a great achievement for 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 final at that time. That's the last trophy, last European trophy a Dutch club have won. Uh, and now we're talking about a lot of years ago. It was 2002, so uh, that's eight more than 18 years ago. And now I'm here in Malmo, uh, building a new Malmo site, uh, and and building a new football style. Uh, if you compare to last season, and uh, we're aiming to more for more title. Uh, so we're building a new future here in Manu. And how much is, is Europe part of that? I mean, uh, we spoke right at the beginning about the European Knights at Malmö and this special. I think older listeners will think of uh, Malmö playing Nottingham Forest in the European Cup final when, when we go like 40 years back. So people still still remember that, of course. Um, when they play at home in in the Champions League is pretty special. How much of a big deal is it for you to to, to get to the Champions League? Of course, uh, of course. Uh, this season we we needed f- to win four games to go into the group phase of Europe. Uh, we won three of those. We lost then against Granada, and uh, now it's going to be we need to win four games in in a, before we can go into the Champions League. If you win two games, you will go into the Conference League. Do we win three games? You play European uh, European League. So it's. It's of course it's a challenge, and uh, and you need a you need of course a bit of luck regarding the opponent. Uh, but we are we are seeded, uh, so hopefully we will get some good opponent. We also seeded this season, but we got Granada from Spain, who had the the best season ever last season, uh, and and uh, so a bit, a bit unlucky. But we are ready to to write a new chapter chapter of this uh, this great uh, history of Malmo, and it has a great history and uh, and and during the years won a lot of title and of course the ambition are very high here and I love it it gives me energy and as, as you say you're a bit unfortunate in facing Granada who, who I think have, as you say have proved they're a really good team in Europe this season but if you look at the way the European competitions have been a little bit reformatted and you look at the four big leagues their four teams their top four teams go directly in I mean how much of a help is that to a club like Malmo when you're trying to get in the Champions League yeah, of course it's difficult. It's difficult. Uh, the big, the big advantage is that we have done well in Europe the last year, so we got a lot of points. Uh, so that means we'll be seeded. Uh, but still, it's a long journey. You need to win four games to play Champions League and uh, win against four opponents. If we play home or away, let's see what happens uh, next season. So in that way, it's a, it's a, it's a huge challenge. But we, we, we have big ambition and and. And here in Manu, we, we, we want to play Europe. We want to have those European nights here. Uh, that's also important for the history of the club. It's also important to, to, to develop. We, you, need, you need, of course, you need money to develop the club as well. So, and you get money in, in those big games. Uh, yeah, I suppose at this point in time as well, the money's all the more important because everyone's having to, to tighten their belts. But I, I guess the fact that the bigger clubs maybe aren't spending. The, the amounts of money that they've spent in the past is, is that more of an advantage to you? Do you think with like clever scouting and development of players from your academy, you can maybe get a little bit closer and be a little bit more competitive? Yeah, I think we have an excellent academy here. Uh, they're working really hard to develop those youngsters. Uh, 
I think we already, uh, if you compare this season with uh, with the last couple of seasons, I think uh, the age of the group is uh, is is lower. Went down. Uh, we had we had some youngsters playing already a lot of games uh, this season. Uh, I think that's important for a club as Malmo as well. Try to develop players to 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 be able to sell those players. There's also a way to 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 get income, uh, but still, it's only about one thing in Malmo. It's about winning. And that's a pressure that you don't have everywhere in Sweden, is it? I mean, I've been to see a few Swedish teams and the atmosphere around the club and the city is something else. I mean, do you feel that pressure even without the fans in the stadium? Yeah, for sure. You, you know, there's, a, it's always a, there's always a lot of journalists who, who are very interesting in the club. Uh, the expectations are still high without the fans. We need to win. Uh, it's quite simple. For me, uh, I've been used to, 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 to live under those circumstances my whole life. So for me, it's energy and I, and I love it. Uh, I can imagine it don't having that pressure. Yeah, but it would be a bit boring, huh? <laughs> yeah, I suppose it would be. Well, <laughs> if, if we're talking about getting that pulse rate lifting a little bit, one of the most recent European highlights for, for Malmo was when they played the derbies against FC Copenhagen in, in Europe. How about some of that again? For you as a Copenhagen native, that would be pretty good, wouldn't it? That would for sure be special. <laughs> but then we need to, to win, uh, to win the leagues as well, both teams more or less, or, either, uh, or qualify for Europe. But it would, yeah, there's great games. Imagine Copenhagen playing against Malmö. Yeah, two big cities, two big clubs, a lot of, a lot of ambitions and, uh, and, and so close to each other in two different countries. That's great, John. Thanks so much for your, your help. Thanks so much for your time and um, best of luck for, uh, for the next one. Thank you a lot and all the best. Huh? Take care. This was a Stakhanov production and part of the Acast Creative Network.